welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I am your host, Tom Donnelly. I'm here with Trey Alsop. We got a power duo today. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing good. I, I, I'm I part of a power duo? Yeah. You and I, together, formidable. <laughs> We've been together a long time, you and me, We've been together a long time. College and grad school. And, well, we can tell more about that, but we won't. Not for this podcast. No. We've known each other a very, very long time. Hi, everyone. We know each other's weaknesses, our foibles, our strengths. <laughs> we can almost finish each other's sandwiches. That's correct. Sandwiches. Um, we have got... You know how to annoy me. Yeah. Yeah, well... That was a great example right there. Everybody knows how to annoy you, Jack. Yeah, it's not hard. It is super easy. You are... You're just... You, you began your curmudgeon journey early. I mean, really, you were a savant in that field. I hope our listeners can just hear how, how invested Tom is in this theory. Oh, it is, it's, it's, is there anybody offering a counter theory? I'm enjoying life so much. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. So I am, I am a creature of, of light and joy. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Well, then, then, let's, <laughs> then let's spoil a little what we're going to be talking about today, because we're going to be talking about a game that we enjoy very, very much. We're going to be talking about the White Castle. All right? Sliders, onion rings. Um, I wasn't going to go there, you, but you will. It's a, well, because it's, it's, a, In America, it's a bit of a branding issue. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, don't let that get in the way of enjoying this wonderful, tasty game. Yes, if if they name the game in the United States, Himeji Castle, mm. boom, done, no problem. But you tell people, uh, we're going to play the White Castle. It does have certain expectations. It it does, it does. It's like, it's Is this a Harold and Kumar, uh, you know, product? Are we going to be... I never saw that. I am aware of the title. Did he really? Really? I never saw it. Yes. Why would I see that? They're quick. They're really good. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. You know what? When you're an old man, Tom. Uh, I guess so. Um, I I would say uh, they they did three of them. I enjoyed all three of them thoroughly. But listen, listen. you go for the stoner humor. You stay for Neil Patrick Harris. All right. Neil Patrick Harris. And this was. Did not even know he was in it. Not only is he in it. But the Neil Patrick Harris we know and love today would not exist without Harold and Kumar. Because he was, at, when Harold and Kumar came out, he was still, oh, he was that Doogie Hauser guy, whatever happened to him. And his performance in these movies, and in, in, in the first one in particular, is so freaking off the wall, outrageous, amazing. That it was a it, it, it was a it was a nilesance. It was a, he was he was back, baby, and he has gone off of that. I I believe I'm, I may be wrong, but I think it was before how I met your mother. But maybe it, maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But I think he he did this before how I met your mother. There was there was a time on Game Brain where we would do show notes and we would know like what was coming on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a good example of... Um, you didn't know we were going to be we talking were, about NPH? I did not know this is where we were going to go with the show. Uh, NPH is a national treasure. All right? You need to go... You, you Best thing about Starship Troopers. The best thing about Starship Troopers. No question about it. <laughs> it's afraid! He understood the tone of that he, movie. He completely understood. <laughs> I, might, I might even argue dictated the tone of that movie. 
It is. I'm a fan. Amazing. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. Then guess what? Treat yourself. This, this weekend, go, go watch watch the first one. I'm not going to make you watch all three of them. Watch the first one and see if you're not if if you're not way more than pleasantly. Amused. Maybe the reason it is called the White Castle is this is from the same designers who recently did the Red Red Cathedral. Cathedral, yeah. And if we had a burger chain called Red Cathedral, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris would. I would have a similar conversation with the, 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 where I would be talking about the, the the problems with that. Okay, but before that, let's talk about what would the Red Cathedral serve on its menu? Oh, are you kidding me? It'd be uh, it'd be fish sandwiches with with borscht, uh, or... with, with caviar. Yeah, it would have okay. a side of side of borscht, uh, potato latkes. Let's please engage in some more ethnic stereotypes. I started it though. I I'm not. I'm not sure Russians and ethnicity. We can, it's borderline. Okay, it's borderline, right? It's it's a cuisine. It's a it's a it's a country. It's an area. Um, games that are on our brain because Trey, <laughs> you and I, uh, in two or three short weeks, are going to be in Dallas. That's right. BGG Con coming up. Yeah, yeah. You, me, Candace, we're going to have ourselves a ball. Our good friend Mark now will be there. Yep, 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 yep. I'm also going to be uh, attending the uh, Tabletop Network yes. ahead of time. Yes. It's uh, back. Please please explain to people that did not hear our previous uh, podcast about that, what uh, what exactly that is. I don't know. I think the format's changing a little bit this year, but this is kind of a, a little bit of like a game designer industry person mini retreat before BGG Con that yeah. Tim Fowers and company kind of have put together. So it's like just two days of... Panels, but also like some game design exercises. I think that's it. Sounds fantastic. To, yeah, to kind of do some networking, do some design exploration, hear from some people on specific topics. So a lot of fun. Yeah, I, mean, I love hanging out with Tim. Uh, he's he's a lot of fun. The the people that he has around him are a lot of fun as well. Um, I came in the last time on the last day of that event mm-hmm. and, and uh, actually got to sit in on like one or two one or two panels. I thought it was fantastic, and you were beaming. Like you were like the, energetically more often than not, I'm going to be the the one that's like at an eight or higher. <laughs> Cause I'm an old man and you're going to be, no, okay. I, I, I'm that with most people. Okay. I'm, I, I tend right. to be a very that's high, true. high energy, high you're energy loud. dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm high energy tray. Right. Not loud. High energy. But <laughs> what in, I have found case, is that like these type of almost, I don't, whether they're networking events or whatever, but anytime I've been able to go to kind of a, you know, three day, four day mm-hmm. panel. I mean, not panel, but you know, um, any of these kind of like get togethers of creative people always just give me a ton of ideas, give me a ton of energy. You end up making friendships that end up, you know, helping out over years, and, yeah. and not even in like a self serving way. It's just like you, you expand your network, you get influences of things that you weren't thinking about before. It's like there's just no downside to meeting new people, new creative people. Yeah. Hearing their ideas and kind of, it always gives me energy. It always gives me ideas. It's 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 always like it's the best money that I can spend. Yeah, uh, and and you you it would obviously show say you yes. Were, you were you were you were boosted. You were you were <laughs> I was, up. I me, I came in early, and you said, "Oh, let's let's meet at this breakfast diner sort of place. That's uh, that's a very short walk, right? Super, super short walk from, from the, the hotel. Place. Yeah." And I went there first, waiting for you guys to to come out and meet me. And in front of this place was, 
the most QAnon truck that has ever that that has ever existed. It was at the time the Dealey Plaza, which is right next door. Uh, the QAnon people had it in their minds that JFK Junior Junior was not dead, and but was going still to very much alive, and was going to return, and yeah. was going to was going to have a big uh, appearance at Dealey Plaza. They were for those that don't know, Dealey Plaza is where JFK Ken- got shot. Was yes, was assassinated. Yeah. That's right. Grassy Knoll, Grassy Knoll, still there. Texas Book Depository, still there. These are uh, important important sites there. Um, I think it's still there. It okay. was it, it was crazy how many people were were there, and the organizers of this event were staying in the same hotel that we were in. <laughs> I know we, we we got to catch a little glimpse of it every once in a while. Like, oh my god! Whether it's a coincidence or not, I do remember getting into an elevator at that con, and uh, Ken Starr got into the elevator with me. So I don't know if he was there for JFK Jr.'s return, but I I didn't see him. Playing Terra Mystica. <laughs> I do not think he was there for BGG Con. I, I didn't see him doing that. So I'm going to go. That guy, that guy's. B- BGG Con is still like uh, such a wonderful con because it's, it's just board games. Yes. And I think it's, it's the best con I've ever known for. If you just want to go and play board games, they make it so easy for that to happen. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. like even like we struggle with this a little bit when we do our local con is that we just, a lot of times end up playing with each other. So like, yep. what's the point? Yep, a little bit. BGG con, you can go as a complete stranger. You will be able to find games. Yeah. You want to play a certain game, you can express interest. The game will happen. You will wander around. You'll see people looking for players for certain games. You can kind of sit down and play. Um, it, everything there is kind of streamlined for making games happen really easily and they have huge amount of space huge amount of games the, the biggest best game library i've got to think yeah. anywhere yeah uh, for finding that you know game that you've always wanted to play um it's yeah. there and it, and it can happen and you will make new friends there and if you are listening to this and you're going to be coming to bgg con please come find us we will be uh, most of the time in the post yeah, look for the guys in the toothpaste Colored shirts and the toothpaste colored shirts and the uh, in the hot games area is pr- is probably going to be to some greater or lesser degree our dojo. That yeah, is- I'm curious to see what's. Good. I wonder if a, if a list is out of that yet. Have like have how many of those games have we already played? But um, I mean, I, I'm sure that they're going to have uh, Cuda. I'm sure they're going to have Rats of uh, Wistar. I'm sure they're going to have Evacuation. Okay, which, yeah. Which I will, I think, I will have played Evacuation by the time I go there because our own Ben Mandelker has got his <laughs> copy of that in there. And uh, all I, of our connections are coming through. I have, it, I have an invite to go play Evacuation with Ben. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm really, all right, it's interesting really I did not get that invitation. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? He I, probably I have, wants someone youthful. Energy. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. Trying out. Yeah. Listen, when, when... When you're an older person, evacuation means something different. It, <laughs> it most certainly does. Um, yeah. And, and generally, you know, when we go there, uh, you know, we get, we get Candace and, and Matt and we take them out and we go and uh, you usually have your car there. And so I do. We, we go out yep. and we get some, we get some good eats. Mm-hmm. Power down. Have some this ice. year. I think we're going to try to go to Meow Wolf Grapevine. Yep, check that out. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I've, I've done that in uh, New Mexico and had a had a great time. Looking forward to it. Yeah, there's 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 you know there's a lot of good food in in Dallas actually. So it's uh, it's not so bad. It's going to be fun. Very much looking forward to that. Um, Andrew Ryer, you know Andrew, 
uh, New Jersey Andrew. Yeah, sure. Yes, of course. Yes, he Andrew uh, Andrew. Yes, 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 yes. He got a chance uh, to play some of the uh, the new hotness. He's got a, a friend that runs Packs Unplugged, or is one of the one of the people who does Packs Unplugged, and he says uh, Rats of Wistar is going to be one of our games. Okay, uh, it's a Simone Luciani uh, and another and another designer. So you know, not that much of a sure of a stretch. A must try. But yes, yes, yes. He says he says the the, the only thing is uh, you know Trey may get very AP. Uh, is that what he said? No, he just said AP. It's an AP prone uh, mm-hmm. a game if you're playing it. Um, I may have editorialized a little bit there, right? But uh, it it I, do you know what the game is? Do you know the, the like the basic idea of the game? It's it's hyper intelligent so, rats escape. Secret from, of Nim. Um, not exactly. Eh, no, again, uh, rat, rats escape from a rat lab. And That's secrets and them, and them and their family are, are trying to uh, establish a new society, and they're you know, they're going out and foraging. And I'm making stuff. a cultural reference that old people will understand. The secrets of them. I've, I've seen I've seen the animated movie. It's a Don Bluth. Okay, yeah, right yeah. from the seventies. From from the seventies, yeah, yeah. It's a little secrets in them. You know, it's those it's rats, not, those it's, were intelligent rats. Yeah, I guess. You yeah, know. no, they were experimented on at NIM. That's the big secret. NIM. That's the big what National is, Institute yes. of Mental Health. Yeah, that's the, that's the secret to them. That's what it is. That's what it is. They were, yeah, experimented on and had their intelligence boosted. Uh, so for all of you that were starting to write down secrets to them, yeah, <laughs> might as well erase that right now. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> spoiler alert, late. Might as well. <laughs> Retroactive spoiler. Just <laughs> erase that because. So you had your chance to seek secret of them. No point. Uh, the the game looks good. The game looks okay. really good. I'm looking forward to playing it. It's got it, It's got all sorts of little... Uh, little bits to it. Like you could play it as a hand management game. You could play it as a worker placement game. You could play. Uh, the one thing that might bump for us is the exploration mechanic, mm. um, uh, which uh, invariably every exploration mechanic is to some degree going That's to some have chance. A, a degree of randomness that, mm-hmm. that we might find off putting or we might not. But uh, uh, it only takes 15 turns. The whole game is 15 turns long, which seems to be a. Uh, a, a design choice that more and more designers are, are kind of going to. We might discuss something today that has a very limited number of actions in the entire game. Nine. Nine actions in the entire game. Nine. In White Castle. I, I see your 15, Rats of Wistar, and I I I go under you. I make it, I make it nine. Tom, I may have a reputation of being anti-dice. Yeah, uh, or, yeah. or Andy, anti-randomness. Well, I like to think that I am for the appropriate use of of chance in games. I have said many times, Trey, that you are not a strict. Uh, you you are not strictly diceophobic. You are selective. I own I own dice. So you, some of my best friends are dice. <laughs> there are certain circumstances in which dice are properly used. When we played. Um, for instance, Crystal Palace. You were like, "This is a good use of dice." Yep. This is the this is the proper use of dice. Um, I I, I think Twa. You said, "Yeah, in Crystal Palace. Your dice aren't even rolled." No, correct. That are tracking mechanisms. Correct. They're just they're they're not even really dice mm-hmm. in, in that sense. Uh, but Twa, you said, "This is the this is a great way to use." Pretty dice. good. Yep. Pretty good. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. It's input randomness that That's you right. that, and the game is adjusting to that randomness. You know what game also uses input randomness? What game also uses input randomness? White Castle. The White Castle. The, the White Castle. Is that the original franchise? Is that the, the, the first one? 
we're gonna move on. Uh, <laughs> let's get into it. Like, let's let's start talking about this game because what we'll also talk about is because uh, you will hear in our review of this game that we found this game to be incredibly elegant, really, really elegant. We're gonna talk a little bit about elegance. We've talked about it before, uh, but Trey and I have our top ten uh, most elegant games, and we're gonna go over that and why they are. Yeah, maybe we'll talk means. a little bit about what what we mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know what. Why I think this game is elegant. Yeah, DYT, define your terms. Okay, should we start, should we start with elegance? Why not? Sure. Why not? Why not? This is an elegant game. Why is this an elegant game? To me... Yeah, you go first. Do you want me to go first? Wow, sure. All right. Yep. To me, elegance is the ratio of depth of play to the lightness of the rule set and mechanisms of the game. It's how deep can the game be while while at the same time being incredibly simple mm-hmm. right that's elegant yeah it's almost that, like a mathematical equation where you've got the ask as the numerator and mm-hmm. the like the number of mechanisms as the denominator or something or something like that and a lot of times games that i describe as elegant have a lot of game to them with frankly like a very simple rule set that often have very deep decision spaces. Yes. Now that said, we're not talking about abstract games. No, no, though, you know, abstract I mean, games go often is are. go is incredibly yeah, I mean abstract games tend to be extremely elegant, but I also t- tend to not not really want to play them. Like I'm not going to play a lot of chess, I'm not going to play a lot of yeah. go. I did there was a time in my life where I wanted to and I I did play a lot of chess as a, as a kid. So it's not really what I'm looking for anymore. So like so maybe it's not even just this isn't just like a weight consideration right also like sometimes it may also be i think it's okay to weave theme a little bit in there too of like does this game almost like tell a simple story like does the does the 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 recipe of what goes into it produce a fully baked kind of like game that where everything just ends up being cohesive yeah yeah elegant games completely understand the assignment they know exactly what they are, mm-hmm. and they deliver that experience in a in a very very pure, very very deep way. And and I, I love that about it. Now, my favorite games in the world. Some of them are elegant games. Some of them are not elegant games. Vital Asserta has couldn't design a, 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 a an elegant game to save his life because he designs complicated uh, clockworks. And those are amazing. And by the way, let, let me disagree. You, slightly. Re- well, me, okay, but okay, let me just sure. say, I, I just want to, I just want to clarify. What I'm saying is, is that I actually think his games are incredibly elegant. Right. But in the in okay. the way we're using that, and we're way the way we're using that term, which is kind of simplicity to depth, or yeah. or, or you know, the, that's not his style. That's not his design. Yeah. When we're talking about elegance, almost by definition, we are not talking about the heavier weight games it's harder complexity yeah complexity yeah now i think that lacerda is like one of the things that makes him great is that his games are elegant for the level of complexity yes. like i think the gallerist is pretty elegant Amazing. yeah it's still not a quick teach no, no 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 there's still a lot of stuff kind of like going on there it kind of integrates in yeah. a way that i feel is is pretty elegant but well, i think what you were saying about theme is is right like yeah. like the the he he put an elegant theme on that game that makes every it makes as complicated as it is easy to understand because it all ties in that's right 
Perfect. Uh, and let, so let's play that example out. In the gallerist, you are playing the owner of a gallery. And the actions, like there's four different types of actions that you can do in the game. And those four actions end up being like the four things you do as a gallery owner. owner. Right? Yeah. Like the, thematically, those things are strong. There's plenty of other games we play sometimes where your action might be, well, I'm on my turn, I'm converting, you know, one blue crystal into three you know, purple diamonds or something. Yeah. And the Trismegistus effect as we've, well, as we've come to call it. Right. That's like, that is as an example in our brains, like Trismegistus in, in, at least in my personal mythology is the, like the opposite of, yeah. Uh, of elegance. Of thematic elegance. And we do have a lot of games right now that have those kind of like conversions, multiple combos, steps where I'm turning A into B and B into Z you know, to kind of how can we sequence together? Now, Red Cathedral, I mean, uh, White Castle has some heavy combos, but like, does the theme of what's happening kind of like tell a narrative that makes that make sense so it feels organic in how you're doing it? Gallerist, for me, like, it does that. I feel a little bit like a gallery owner where yeah. I'm making gallery owner decisions in yeah. order to win the game. I mean, by what we're talking about, Thunder Road Vendetta, which you and I played, <laughs> is actually quite an elegant yes, game. Yes, I'm a big fan. It, it really is. It has dice. It has it has dice. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of miniatures and moving parts and all sorts of stuff. But because it is purely trying to deliver this one experience, it know, it understands the assignment. It knows exactly what it's trying to do, and everything in the game feeds to that. It's kind of an elegant experience. I agree. I completely agree. It knows what it is. It plays quickly. Very fun. Did did we talk about uh, the Thunder Road Vendetta on the on the pod? Um, I think a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, like it's it's a game that um, I think people would assume I wouldn't like, but it, for me, it's like listen, there's some, there's dice rolling here. It's beer and pretzels. It's over in an hour. I didn't even care whether I won or lost. Yeah. There were a lot of moments where we were pounding the table and yelling. Awesome. Like that's. It, it does what it's supposed to do. It, know, it knows what it is. I could play this with kids. I could play this with teenagers. Yeah. I could play this with people that have never played a game before. I could play this with uh, tabletop role-playing game enthusiasts that aren't really into the hobby. Uh, I, I could. It is, it is a fun night. So maybe the reason I wanted to talk about elegance is, is because I'm a, a crusty old man. Yes. In that I think a lot of times— You're also very elegant. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, I just think, like, as I've played more board games— Yes. And like and experience more games. I just I value elegance more. Yes, I think we are in a time where we have identified like in board game design, there has been a movement towards broke was kind of a term we were using. But like we're playing heavier games, we're playing more complex games. Yeah, a lot of times there's a lot of joy in learning these systems. Yeah. Okay. Like, but but for a very for much smaller audience, the 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 the, the more you need to learn the system, the the smaller the audience is that experiences joy in that. That's right. But there, and I would assert that there is, but there is kind of like a bias against lower weight games. Uh, Elizabeth Hargrave and some other people have identified yep. like there is bias in the BGG reviews towards higher complexity and i think like you can see that in the ratings now on bgg which they've tried to de-emphasize but a lot of the games that like we have on our list here maybe like our top 10 elegant games like a lot of these i just consider classics 
Like these are games that that yeah, every same. that everyone should play that are kind of like eternal. And some of them, are, you know, a lot of them are older, but they're also like games that used to be like number one on BGG or in the top ten. Yep. And now they're like falling out of the top one hundred. So like, yeah, is it just that there's so many better games being made now? It's like, n- no, not really. I mean, there's both uh, score inflation, but there is like, um, there has been statistics that show that people just tend to rate more complex games as better games. And maybe that's a way of kind of like showing that you're sophisticated as a gamer. Um, I don't know, but it, it's there. It's there in the data. I mean, you buy, you buy a, a game like Red Cathedral and you've spent 20 bucks like how hard how hard like what what is the social it's pressure che- it's not that cheap is it but it's pretty cheap it's, it's a cheap it's, the, the, the great thing about Ray cathedral and the white castle is these are small box yeah 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 almost doesn't fit into the box <laughs> but but what's small the, box games what is what is the monetary social yeah. pressure to stand super hard for that game whereas you buy deluxe voidfall <laughs> you yeah you've made an investment you, you better love it you better you you better be it's an identity out there, game out there i mean to some extent the, the those types of games really are there and they're games that are you have to spend so much time to to even understand what you're doing and to get good at it that you're kind of going to play that game and that game only a, a lot of people who are who are getting that game are going to be playing that game alone for a long time and that and that's going to lead to a high score if only for the Stockholm syndrome, it's the, it, it is going to pull you in and not let go of you, you know, and and uh, that's just you know that's just the the nature of these things, I think, to some degree. Uh, okay, I think we talked enough about the uh, about what we mean about uh, about elegance to get into White Castle. Yes, um, White Castle, as Trey said, only has nine actions. It is a game that is set in seventeen sixty one. In the Harima province, Harima is uh, just west of Osaka and Kyoto and Kobe, um, where there is a very famous castle um, that is called the. Uh, you have been there, the Himeji Castle. Himeji, I have not actually been to. The oh, I thought Himeji that's where castle. you played. Uh... No, we we did that at Osaka Castle. Oh, excuse me. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Himeji Castle. We went to Kobe, and Kobe to the Himeji Castle is only about another twenty minute train ride, okay. maybe half hour. That's it. But we just didn't actually end up making it there. We went to the most amazing museum. We went to a Japanese woodworking museum in Kobe and cool. I thought we were only going to spend a little bit of time there and we could get somewhere else and it was amazing this right. place was you, we're we're walking inside little japanese uh um huts that were that were made you you're you're shaving you're using the old school tools that they used hundreds of years ago and learning how to shave the wood and all that sort of stuff and the different kinds it was amazing anyway um the Meiji castle is the most visited uh, historical site in Jap- the most historical, uh, the most uh, visited castle in all of Japan. It is super, super famous. It is a wonder in through the ages. It is wonder in through through the ages. So think of it like um, uh, Mount Rushmore. Or, um, th- think of it like uh, Statue of Liberty. It's it's that kind of thing. It's a big, epic cultural. Centerpiece. centerpiece. And in 1761, the it was the heyday of this era, and the daimyo uh, is the you know the the lord who rules over this place. And uh, guess what? We are advisors, and we are going uh, there. To- we are we playing clans, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, actually, we're all on the same clan. Are we in the Sakai clan? 
Oh, okay, no, maybe no, no, I thought no, no, we were no, no, rival no. clans or something. Yes, yes, we're, we're 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 rivals and we're trying to curry favor with the Sakai. That's right. Clan. So, okay, pretty standard board game framing here. You're currying favor from the big powerful person. Yeah, and that's gonna and so victory points are an expression of that favor. Right now, you're saying okay, sounds pretty typical Japanese. Whatever, does it have any typical board game? Does yeah, does it do anything with the gameplay? It actually kind of does. Because when you divide the board up and you look at what the board really is, it's really about three different regions. There's outside the castle, uh, in the there are these bridges that go over a, a little river, and that's where the <laughs> there's inside. The, what's the third one? <laughs> there's outside the castle. There's inside the castle. What's and, the third? And, and the third one is the uh, the, the your samurai own, fields. Your own board or samurai no? fields? The, oh, the uh, training grounds. Yes. The okay. Training grounds. I think you're right. You're right. The, the training grounds. So there is a there is a place, and you on your player board have three different types of people. Can I do the mechanics pitch of this game? Absolutely, I would love it to. This is a what would you call it? a dice placement, dice action placement game. Each each of your nine actions, you're taking one die and you're placing it. That's right. And so when we say you are going to do this nine times, you're going to place nine dice and trigger nine series of actions, essentially, in the game. And maybe like the if I were pitching you this in the elevator, the the coolest kind of like core mechanism in this game is that we have three different colored dice. We roll a certain number of dice based upon the number of players, and then you order these dice on three different bridges. So we have orange dice on the orange bridge, black dice on the black bridge, white dice on the white bridge, and they're ordered from low to high. When you take your die... You are taking from either the high end of the bridge or the low end of the bridge and then taking an action with that die, where the pips essentially are um, the cost to do in business of whatever the action is. If I take a six and I place it on an action space that only requires four, I'm going to make two extra money. If I took a, a two die and place it on that same four, I would have to spend two in order to do it. But one of the really cool things about it is so like, okay, so why wouldn't you just always take the high dice? Well, if you take from the left side of the bridge, which is the lower number of the dice set, you are also like triggering your own player board where you kind of have a number of bonuses built up over gameplay. So there's in a sense like compensation for taking the, the low, low die. die. And then out of that, so that in itself is kind of cool. Then as, once you get under the skin of the game, you realize oh, the die I choose is going to cause a kind of like cascading sequence of actions where I'm creating opportunities for other people by doing this. And so a lot of depth starts to emerge about what die I take because it has a lot of repercussions later in the game. The board itself, as Tom was kind of alluding to, has an inside the castle, outside the castle, and kind of a farm area, and then the training grounds of military uh, pieces. All of these are just action spaces. Mm. So there's a certain amount of worker placement here, although it's not as strict as something like Agricola, where a single worker um, goes to a space. Uh, like every space here generally has a rule of two dice can go there. So again, like if you play a, a low die on a space, you're like you're actually creating an opportunity for the next person to come and make some money on that because you can play. They can place a higher die on that number and get some extra money. Or if you place a high die, you're actually making it harder for someone else to go there because it's more expensive. You're literally preventing them. the action of being taken in a lot of cases. Yeah. So you're you're either kind of like so the three different main things you're doing in placing these dice is you're taking these wooden figures from your board, meeples, but there's three different theme meeples, which are essentially like farmers, ambassadors, or warriors. They probably have a different name. Courtiers, yeah. who are the ones that are going to the castle, 
the uh, samurai who are going to the training grounds and the farmers who are who are going over by the bridges and tending to the fields, etc. That's right. And mechanically, each of these things has some slightly different effects. The the farmers, which you know cost food to place, end up kind of giving you instant rewards, but also can be triggered multiple times in the game if with the some bridge, caveats. Yeah. <laughs> if the bridge they are next to still has dice on it at the end of the round, which is Another one of those, uh, just a small little interesting mechanism, right? Whereby, hey, I would really like to take this white die for this action, but if I take this red die, the red bridge won't have anybody on it anymore. And Trey's and farmers will be useless. Trey's farmers will sit there and they will stew because they were counting on doing those actions again. Oh. Let's ruin Trey's game. Yay. Which, as you know, is my favorite mechanism. Right back at you, buddy. <laughs> when you place the, you know, the courtiers or the ambassadors, whatever, in the castle itself, you're kind of like you're approaching the daimyo. The the, uh, the castle's in almost like a pyramid it has shape. Three levels, three yeah. three spaces on the lowest level, two spaces. So on you're the kind of like you're getting rest. closer as an ambassador to it, and it's like that's worth points. But you're also one of the really interesting things about the placement of the ambassadors is that when you go and place them in one of the kind of like six areas within the castle, you're actually replacing the action card. Yeah. In, the, in that space. The, and, and then you, you get, get that action, action card. card which, oh, yeah. And remember we said, if you take the low die, the low die is going to give you an extra little boost. Well, the boost is the rewards that are on the back of all of the cards that you have taken over the course of the game. Uh, so, so there's a certain amount, of, right? There's a certain amount of very cool things that are happening, which is again, like if, if I'm going to relate this to like standard worker placement, like if you could actually lift a spot off the Agricola board and put it in your own player board that only you can do a little bit so far, yeah. you know, again, you're going to be able to do it once, but then it gets replaced by by something else. So the geography of the worker placement map is constantly shifting. Yes, and the the available dice are constantly shifting. Mm -hmm. And because when you play a die to the board, let's suppose there is a space that requires a three or higher die. You can play a one die there. You just have to pay two bucks in order to take that mm -hmm. space. Yep. But then that space is now a one. And anybody can put any die on top of the on top of the one. Created to take a huge opportunity action. for somebody else. And yeah. if I put a six there, I get five coins. Oh, so it, it's it and, and having money gives you a lot of freedom to take actions that you normally wouldn't be able to take. Exactly, exactly, and, and in, in many cases is is mandatory to do certain things. Like to, in order to put a courtier into the castle, you're going to have to pay a little bit at the gate just to get in the door. There are, there are some spaces that create situations like that. Uh, there are also three resources in the game that we should talk about. Actually, there are about five resources, really, when you get right down to it. But every player board has got uh, a little marker that is keeping track of how much rice you have. Mm -hmm. Rice is, is required for placing the, uh, the yep. farmers. Um, metal or steel or iron, whichever one it is, for during this There's during, a little during this gray time. anvil. Yeah, yes, that is going to be required to place the uh, the samurai in the training fields and mother of pearl. And the mother of pearl is going to be the main mechanism by which you advance your courtiers higher and higher into the castle. This is a one uh, a successful language independent game. Very much so. Like I don't think there, there's no text. No, te no text, nowhere, and the iconography is really simple. So uh, we, this very man. But there was a few first play. There were a few looking at the back of the book kind of things for a minute because there's a few there's a there's a few things that are a little more complicated. But ninety percent of what you're looking at the board 
after your first three actions in a nine action game, right? You pretty much got it. Now the 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 trick, the thing that you have to learn over time, is the intense interaction of things. That's the thing that's going to take a while to, mm-hmm. to understand. To understand the hidden the, depths exactly. To understand how the basic game works, though, is easy as pie. I love the setup of the game because the setup of the game creates very variable playing states from the get go. Tremendously different. This uh, this game handles turn player uh, player order by doing the those who are going last get their first pick of like starting cards. Yep. So there's some compensation for going last there. That seems pretty balanced. If not, like picking the your setup cards may be more powerful than going first in the first turn. It's well, it's it's a tough thing to to balance, but um, there's it's 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 not unthought of. You correct, know, they, they've, it, it, they've addressed it in a way considered. that's that's meaningful and and is and is very considered. Let me describe the board really quick, if I can, because it's beautiful. Yeah. Um. This the board looks like a landscape, with the castle kind of dominating the center of the board as almost like a ziggurat or a period or a pyramid where you have like three areas, two areas, one area on top creates a space, and then we have training grounds to the east and the uh, farms to the west. Um, but it's all done in kind of like a painterly, almost like screen style, like yeah. that you would see on a, on a wall of, of of landscape and figures. And I think if when you first look at it, it's it's visually beautiful. I think it probably is a little confusing when you're start starting. But compared to some other games that we've seen, and, and as we described, like there's some basic iconography that you can pick up that's very manageable. It's not that the iconography isn't hard, but it is kind of like manageable. Um, and in the end, it's... I will say something about that. Yeah. So they worked very hard to get this game in this small box. Mm-hmm. Yep. It has created two issues. Issue number one is that um, it, it takes some... It, it, it is like packing... It's packing the Prius <laughs> for the long road trip. Yeah. It is it is a it is a packing up the game is a challenge. You get an extra spatial solo puzzle. Mm-hmm. Puzzle game. Uh trying to get everything back into the box in a way that uh, will allow the box to close. That's number 1. Number 2 is that the board is probably 25% more compact than it should be. Like mm. if if you if you put this in a regular box and you had the more space and you were able to move the the uh, the samurai fields a little bit farther away from the castle and the castle itself you could see the pyramid of the castle was a little more separated from everything else I think the I think you would look at the board and immediately get everything but oh, maybe. but everything is packed in a little bit too much. I think this. I don't know. I I'm, think it's no. I think it's I gorgeous. love this. I love this design. It's not too packed for me. It's, it seems it's pretty, Japanese pastoral art style. Yeah. Um, so the so the uh, here's another selling point for the game. Um, not a tough teach. Once you do know the game, it can be a little AP prone because you tend to like the way things work. You end up like linking actions together. That's where you kind of like, you have the potential for these super moves where you can place two or three figures on the board in the same turn sometimes, but you're only going to take nine actions in the entire game. And once people know the game, you absolutely can play this game in under an hour. So the, um, and I'm usually somebody who's kind of resistant to like the playing times that they put on the side of the box. Like you really can play, like we played, uh, we played this game twice last night. 
Yeah, you know, kind of like we played this twice with a teach in the same time that three players who knew Nucleum played one game of Nucleum. Yeah, if you, yeah, so if, if figure three player game of this uh, is twenty seven actions all total. If everybody takes two minutes to take their action, that's under that, that's under an hour, and a lot of times your action I, might be five say, seconds. Yeah. I would say a third of the time yeah. your 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 whole play is under thirty seconds yeah. for that turn, which allows you. The three four minute think where I got to figure out how do I do all the things that I want to do and there are and there are a number of ways to skin almost any cat in this game. It is a really really interesting. This is not to let them. No. In that I think you can plan. Yes. Fairly reliably. Well. Yes and no and uh, yeah I mean, the, the things will change. You're somebody, not just waiting to do your thing. If I take this die, I ruin your plan. If I place a courtier and take this card off of the display yep that ruins your turn if i place a second die thereby locking out that space so no one else can take it that'll ruin your day so there are there are some possibilities but you're right it, it, you're right in that it is a much more predictable space you can kind of see things coming and see things that maybe you, i'll put it this way yeah i found when it is not my turn i am engaged yes yeah. Okay, I'm both thinking about my move and I'm looking at what other people are doing. So maybe I'm thinking like, okay, he's probably going to take that die. Yeah. So what's my next what's my next choice here? It's like, oh, I've got some backup on that. You know, with this action here in this space of the of the castle. Okay, he took the die. I thought, oh, and he took the card that I was kind of counting on there. So uh unlike uh I think like your comment from Toledo, which I completely ag- agreed about was if you start investing that heavily on you know at, at once the turn has passed from you yeah. when you start investing that heavily like you're just wasting your time like yeah. the board the game is going to change so radically before it gets around to you it's almost a waste to even think yeah. about that whereas that's not the case here it's kind of like it's a dynamic space that is shifting and you're paying attention to what other people are doing especially because what other people do creates opportunities for you all the time correct and there are plays that can happen on your own board mm-hmm. so your board is inviolable is is going to be what it's going to be mm-hmm. and you are changing your board as you go every time you place a a, a wooden piece dude, a dude on the map board. you are changing your board every time you are getting a card and adding it into your lantern area that's the area where you're where you're basically you're unlocking your extra engine. minutes yeah. you're, you're you're building an engine um, and we've played games where lantern play has been the uh, a dominant factor in the game. We've p- played games where lantern play almost doesn't even factor in. We've played games where the well, which looks like a weak little spot that you would only do if you had nothing else to do, seems like there's no sense to it at all. Other setups, you look yeah, at other, it and you're like, other times oh my it God. opens these huge possibilities for you. Yeah. yeah. So there is the uh, so it's a tremendously variable space and once you play the game one time you kind of grok the game enough to be able to look at the board and kind of put together the puzzle of what is what is the whole variety of things that I could do and which of them is the best because when you have a really good turn sometimes that really good turn is I'm going to take the lowest die on this thing that's going to unlock the lantern action which is going to allow me to take these four things that are at the bottom of my player mat Getting those four you things feel clever. are then going to allow me <laughs> Maybe to... Maybe you are clever. Yes. Yeah. Then I'm going to use that die. I'm going to place it here. It's going to unlock another action that is then going to unlock another action. It's, it's I Yeah. I tend to like sequencing. Yeah. Like a lot of times you look... The, the game is kind of broken into three different uh, rounds where you take three dice each. 
And so th- those do tend to be clumps because like things happen at the end of the scoring, like the, the farms can score. So you tend to grok those into manageable three actions. And that sequencing is, I really enjoy that. Like I enjoy that in games, yes. ga- games where you're like sequencing your action of like, what's the right time for this? Like, I really need to hold this off and it's going to be the, the third thing I do this round. Maybe it's my final action of the game. I'm setting up this one big thing. You if, know. if the board still allows that to happen. Right. If right. And maybe sometimes you have to to gamble on it. But like that's a that's a heavy like pleasure point for me uh, as a player is, you know, sequencing. How long can I wait? Maybe again, like I'm going to relate this to a worker placement game like Agricola Uh, in Agricola. Sometimes it's a mistake. Like, you know, you need to renovate this turn. Yes. Or family grow. Yeah. But you kind of if you look at the other players, it's like, well, no one else can renovate. So yeah. I can wait till later. I, uh, no one else can family grow. I can wait till later. And like we've seen when you're kind of teaching new people, like, they'll go, just go ahead and do the family grow, do the renovation right about it. It's like, no, no, no. Dimitri. If nobody else can do it. Dimitri, wait. <laughs> if nobody can do it, <laughs> take the action so, that other people. So sometimes that happens a, l- a little bit here of yeah. like, I don't need, I, that's really good for me, but I don't need to do it yet. What's actually contested? Yeah. You know, like that's the thing I have to fight over is, is the contested thing. Let's, let's a, talk. a good a yeah. good design is a design in which that there is no one dominant way to play. This is a game that's kind of like that. There is one thing I think you probably are are, are is non negotiable. But let's let's sort of talk about scoring. Okay. Um, the farmers. When you place a farmer down, it is going to give you an action immediately. Mm-hmm. And every it will the, be worth points at the end of the at game. the end of the first yep. round and at the end of the second round, you can take that action again as long as there are still dice on the uh, on, on the, the bridge. bridge right next to where you're at. That's right. Um, but in addition, it offers victory points at the end of the game, and that and those victory points can be significant. Can be one to nine, and nine is a very good score. If you get if you're getting nine points from a single dude, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. But when you talk about the the, the samurai and when you talk about the courtiers. Um, that's where the scoring can get really, really high because what happens is, is there's a multiplication effect where there is going to be a score that you're going to get that is based on, first of all, the courtiers score points depending on how high up in the tower they get. So three points, if they end up on the uh, one point, if they stay at the gate, three points, if they're at the first level, six points, if they're at the second level and 10 points, if they're at the top, if they're with the daimyo himself, um, it, that already is pretty good. But then the soldiers are going to multiply the score that you're getting based on the number of courtiers you have in the castle. So if I have, let's say, three soldiers and five courtiers, that is three times five. That's 15 points I'm getting for my soldiers that are there. And there are soldier spaces. The the five steel the, you pay five steel yeah, to play the best soldier. Warriors, yeah. the, the best warriors are worth double that. Each warrior is worth two times what the what the value of the courtiers there is. So there is a. I mean, we we found Trey. You and I have found that the people with the highest scores tend to correlate with the people that have gotten the most of their people out onto the board. 
Right. What I've said is like, as more we've played this, I think it is, this is not one of those games where like, hey, there's a farmer path or there's a warrior path or there's a, a courtier path. I think the, the high scoring path is you somehow managed to do all of these yeah. things. The, the, you know, the path is everybody out. <laughs> you don't have to go you, home, but you, you cannot, can't stay you here. You cannot ne- really neglect any of them ult- ultimately. The trick is how, how do you kind of get them out there? Because you, as Tom's pointing out, like you can have 20 something points of courtier scoring and if you have the soldiers to support it and you're multiplying it, then you can have like another 30 points of, that are, of soldiers that are multiplying the, the value of you that you got in the courtiers there. It's hard to imagine having a success, successful game without doing that to a pretty large uh, degree. I don't think that's a weakness. I think it's like these are the things you need to do. No, and, and yet, and yet uh, the last game I played of it, the entire first era, the first three of my nine actions, I didn't place a single person on the yeah. board. When I you do it, it's different than what I, you end up with. I solely right? gained resources, and I was like, I think I'm going to lose this game. I think I'm going to lose this game badly. But I had so many resources mm-hmm. that every placement from that point forward in the game, I was placing not just into the base level, not just, I was placing premium placements for every you were making multiple chains nine of points actions, ten yeah. points six points for every single placement and even though i was i think you beat me by one point actually but i'm certain i did it was so painful it was so painful <laughs> it was um, a good game it was a good game but it was a very it was a very good game but i had uh, i think two less people placed on the board but i was within one point of view because mm-hmm. i was doing premium placements and and going that way which is and the more we play this i think the more that those sorts of trade-offs are going to be very, very crucial in terms of deciding. Yeah, how it goes. The, it's going to be very marginal. I think a lot of the, a lot of these a lot of these wins. Yeah. Let me talk about the uh, the dice one more time here, just because sure. um, it, it it does do the thing which I generally like, which is that the dice are ninety percent um, input randomness, which is yes. at the beginning of each of these rounds, we roll the dice, we order them, we place them on the bridge. So it's that kind of classic input randomness situation of like, okay, here was the randomness in the setup. Now figure it out, it? you know, puzzle. Yeah. Figure it out. Yep. Um, and that's, I can, I can always live with that. Here's the situation, blah, blah, blah. The, the one way in which this ends up being output randomness is actually in the farmer aspect yeah. in that if like I did this last last game I played to, to also, I was exploring the space a little bit, but I also, I placed two farmers in the first round. I happened to place them at the same bridge. Probably a bad idea. It makes me, it makes, makes you your target. Well, it, 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 it says that the, 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 the randomness is not the only factor in. Right. People have incentives to, to mess with you at that point, rather than you investing where other people are. And that's definitely part of the game. But then we got to the second round, rolled the dice, and I think all of my my two farmers were at the red bridge, and all of the dice six, in the six six five. <laughs> so like when that happened, like those are really good values, and the bridge that they were on four two one one. <laughs> so what Tom is saying is because those values are very high on the red bridge, it's a guarantee that those those dice are going to be taken, and that my farmers are not going to get a second kind of like production out of their placement from because the, the first round. Gonna be, there's nothing going to be yeah. left on that bridge. So is that is that bad luck? Is that output randomness? It is. Yeah, it's pretty narrow. Yeah, I was intentionally taking a gamble and I lost it, and I'm okay, and I'm okay with that. Like I knew what I was getting into. I don't feel like it's one of those games where like, okay, I've yeah. been playing here, I stand for six hours. Do I have an air? I'm rolling a six sided die. I don't have a game. No game for me. 
Here I stand, one of the great, great, great scarred. GMT, GMT still games scarred. of all time. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it is. Um, and let's talk about the playtime. The, the playtime for a game that I can teach in 15 minutes plays for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. If you have some really AP pro yeah, people, first time. maybe 90 minutes, 75, 80 minutes, maybe. Um that's a real sweet spot. That's a great thing. I don't have a lot of games in my collection that that play and are that deep. Sometimes this is the amount of game I want. Yeah, <laughs> in, at, at various times, I don't. I'm not ready for a uh, nucleum. You know, when somebody is table flipped and left, and we realize <laughs> we cannot continue this game, but but late night Avalon is still an hour away. Spring out White Castle. White, White Castle is gonna be the is gonna be the game. I, I you can probably hear it in our voice, but we we uh, love this game. This is a really fantastic little game. Yeah, I'd, I'd say a couple of kind of like final thoughts for me. This is a good game for when you first play this and you kind of like you're playing it, you're struggling with it, you kind of like get into the second round. It's okay to say, you know what. Let's reset and start from the beginning again, because there is that you have to kind of play it to learn it yeah. type of type of thing. Like, it, listen, in the end, if you just play it out, it's only going to be an hour, no, no biggie. But it's also fine. We're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. I'm really ready the, to play it. At you the know. end of the first era, you've played three actions. You get it now. We can give start, yourself permission to just you know uh, reset and and because you you can kind of like okay, one person knows how to play this game, two other people don't. But by the end of three actions, they actually kind of they, they know enough now to actually play the game and make smarter decisions because the yeah. because the the decision space, the understanding of how the game works is fine, but understanding the ramifications of everything that's before you takes a little bit to 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 grok and uh, and is well worth it. I think last night you were you offered very kindly to uh, to to do a restart. And they said no, and you just played two full games. You guys just yeah. went right through it and played two. That full was games. fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. And I think Chris uh, was was feeling like, no, I want to kind of like see how it ends yeah. to know how to do it again. And that's he's a game designer. I mean, that's but yeah. Yep. So that's that's kind of where he comes from. So uh, totally respect that. Uh, I love this game. Um, I like. I guess this is not a negative, um, but I I do think they're probably like when you talk about skill ceilings. Yeah, I think you will probably reach like there's a lot of there's a lot of skill in this game, but I think it's pretty attainable. I don't see I don't yeah. see twenty plays out of this game. I easily see ten plus. Maybe you know over the years, maybe it is not a replayable game. The way again, I'm going to relate to Agricola as I do often. Like Agricola is possibly the most replayable board game sure. in in the canon. Um, this one. We're, I'm still finding new things, but I do kind of suspect that it's it's you know it's not going to be a game you play a hundred times. No, I mean, listen, these designers also did Red Cathedral, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. um, another really good, simple, small box, elegant game that doesn't take up uh, that doesn't overstay its welcome uh, very much. These guys are on a roll. There are other absolutely. Once you mention uh, their names, I think these are Spanish. Designers and they they kind of abbreviate their names. Yes, yes, yes. They they they've uh, given themselves a little little. Isra C and Shay S, and I think these are a pair of designers from uh, Madrid, España, who've who've done a number of games, and I think this is like this is a good lesson. Also, I think it looks like they've done like at least a dozen games. Um, 
between them, but they're now hitting their stride. Yes. You know, where I think they're kind of like at their, at their peak and they're churning out really, I think, you know, this and and Red Cathedral are are fantastic games. I can't wait to see what they do next. hundred percent. Uh, just, just amazing. Amazing design. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, every play so far I've enjoyed. And I think I will, like you were saying 10 plays or, or, or whatever. I think for me, this is more that kind of game where, um, it's going to be in the rotation, not as the primary game of the night, right? But as the you know what? Let's. I want to play. It's ten thirty. Play another game. Well, or yeah, more, yeah. Or, or more like you know what? I haven't played Bloody Inn in forever, or right. I, I haven't. I haven't played uh, Ra in forever. Uh-huh. Let's let's do a a series of smaller games and and do that night. It's a smaller ask. And by the way, I've been doing that. For the last and you've been six having months, fun. we've been having a great time. <laughs> fun is the result. No, it's it's fantastic. To every once in a while, do that and and play three one hour games a, a night, and especially some of these old classics that are just amazing, uh, really really wonderful. This fits a hundred percent into that plan, and uh, I, I plan on doing a lot more of those. Um, Does this belong in the the canon of our favorite elegant games? Um, slightly too early to tell, but so far, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I could easily see it, it could, being there. Yeah, I could easily see it being there. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go on our top 10 train quickly <laughs> top 10. Well, I mean, we're, we're only one hour in, so we got, we got time, but okay. uh, you know, we, we can, but we're going to see and, and talk about our, our most elegant games and why we think they are so. And, uh, Trey, why don't you give us your number 10 elegant games? Okay, I did not rank mine here. Shall I do my number 10 while you rank? Sure. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Okay, fine. My number 10 is a game that, uh, uh, and by the way, you're going to hear games that you have heard from me before because a lot of what I rave about on this podcast are elegant games. I mean, it's one of the things I really love. Uh, my number 10 is Pipeline. Pipeline uh, came out in 2018, 2019, somewhere, somewhere around there. And it is one of those games where I played it, and I think it was my number two game of the year that year, and it has just stayed up in my rankings ever since. The The economic engine of the game, it's a, it's a very simple economic game in a lot of levels. It's get oil, build pipeline, make that oil into refined oil, sell that refined oil, right? That's the game. And the explanation, the teach of how the game goes is relatively straightforward. It's got a, a super simple uh, um, place your place your worker on one of six spaces, really. That's yep. it. It's got a polyomino uh, um, uh, pipeline formation system that is kind of cool, kind of fun, and a super simple mini game that doesn't really take away from other people's time because other people can go while you're while you're doing that. And as far as economic games go, it's got so few bells and whistles that it's really, really elegant and continues to be a blast for me. I absolutely love it. It's a good example of something that can be heavier. Yeah. You know, have have a higher weight and is still elegant. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, a lot of the kind of the, the complexity and it can be like all those different pieces. Yeah. You have a lot of choices. Yeah. But the actual things you can do are, there's not a lot of different. One, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There, there are eight. It's, there manage- are eight actions. it's a manageable teach. There are eight actions. And then you have some very the, difficult decisions. Yeah. And all of the actions are eminently explainable in a minute. 
But yeah, like in our in our list, like that's if if we were kind of going to look at our list here at the end there, I suspect that would be like your highest complexity of. I don't, I can't speak for your list, but like that's going to be up there for me. It kind of is, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's pretty. Uh, the reason it's number ten is is that it's kind of on the edge of not quite being elegant I mean, enough, right? But it, but I, I think as far as an economic game, that's crazy elegant. You're right, right. I, I think I was thinking in terms of in making my list, just just kind of like in terms of how we're defining our terms. I was thinking lower weight a little bit. Like yeah. If I think if, if I were going that direction, um, then gallerist would, would, would probably be on my list. But I'd like to me, like that's a little too beefy. The, 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 yeah, the, the, the difference between the gallerist teach and the, and the pipeline teach is vast. So I, I, I don't put them in the same category. You think so? You think gallerist is a lot harder? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot. I remember struggling with pipeline. But- really? Yeah, I think you like it better than I do, but I still think it's really good. Yeah, so yeah. just just to be clear, yeah. I think it's really good. Okay, so here's in our in our difference of approaches, Trace number ten is uh, Catan. Settlers of Catan. Oh, is that what it is called? It's just Catan now. It's just Catan. What is that game? I'm not I'm not sure. I'm familiar with it. It's the game that most people play when they first get into the hobby. Oh, and it's not. Yeah. It's you know, it does some some pretty simple things. You don't have to learn a lot of different stuff. There's a reason why it's it's been such a huge game. Yeah, in in the hobby, roll roll dice, get cards, turn those cards into buildings and roads. Yep, but it's you know pretty good. I just ask just ask Jesse. You know, it still it requires a lot of skill to play that game well. Yeah, I, I can't. It's not just a disagree. dice checker. I can't disagree. It, that is, it, it, it really is. An and maybe I want to make a little bit of defense of these games that kind of like the hobby looks down on sometimes. It's like Catan is really important. Catan is the thing that people play a lot of times and they're like, now I'm ready for more. Every time I play Catan, which is once every five years, I'm reminded of why it's a great game. I still enjoy it. I, I still want to make fun of it. Don't don't tell me I can't make fun of it, though. Please, I, I have to make fun of it a I'm little. I'm not going to tell you you can't make fun a of little it. bit. I might tell and you it's a little misplaced. I'm not. Well, I'm not making fun of the game. I'm making fun of the people that 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 there's this whole world out there, and they have they have jiggled the doorknob and think they've found the, <laughs> you know, they've 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 found the the gate the gateway, but they haven't stepped into the gateway. For all the the deep nerdery that you and I have been through. In our lives, there are other people who their experience is they got Catan as a couple. Yep. They have another couple over. Yep. And they play, and that's the beginning of their board game adventure. Yeah. Not everyone played Dungeons and Dragons and Diplomacy when they were eleven. I told I told my wife the other day that there that the next time we have couple a, a couple over and we're gonna play Tichu. That there are these Japanese games that I have that are wonderful card, wonderful trick taking right. games that they're gonna love, and we'll play that too. And she's like, "No, <laughs> no, because she wants no. just teach you. We are going to be playing teach you, and we are going to she only has be found her. Teacher. She's found her game. She's she found her Huckleberry. That that's and that's all there is to it. Tom, and what is your I number understand. nine? Uh, my number nine is Genoa. Mm. Traders of Genoa, um, negotiation games." are a really interesting beast. Uh, it is essentially where uh, the game's rules are such that in any given turn, you are going to be able to wheel and deal with all the other players and try and trade this for that and get this for that and get compensation and, and, and all that sort of stuff in order to get what you want. And the person who does that best at the end of the game is going to have the most stuff and is going to win. Um, there are sidereal confluence. There are there are other games of that ilk. Right. But Genoa is just 
so simple. At the, at the heart of it, you can explain it in a minute. It's you're going to take a stack of these discs and you're going to be moving them, dropping one behind you each time you move them. And I think there are five all, all total. And so you're, you're, and you're going to end up visiting two or three businesses or buildings on this map. And at those buildings, somebody is going to get the reward at those buildings. And you can only get the reward at one of those. So the negotiation that you make with other people that I will pay you this if you go this way. I will, I, at that building that, that I want you to go to, I'm going to get two things. I'm going to give you one of those things in order to get that. That's the entire game. Mm-hmm. The entire game. And the, the number of things and the value of those things is the only thing you have to learn in the game. It's really relatively simple to learn it. Such a fun, it's such a fun game on such a very simple, simple premise. It can be taught in five minutes and I would say within the first half an hour, you will understand completely how you think you want to value those things. And just great. Right. This is one of those games, where, right, it's wide open negotiation, which can be daunting. Yeah. It's hard to value things as a, as a new player. This maybe that doesn't get away from that doesn't get away from elegance. Right? Not necessarily. No. Just like in just like in in uh, White Castle, the it, it really is the same situation where the rules are very simple. the The way of looking at the board to see what is value is it's, it's tougher. Yeah, that that's the thing that takes time. I just yeah right. I, put, I I like that game quite a bit. I also kind of think of it as like oh that's one of those games that Tom can take advantage of new people in. <laughs> My number nine, Trey. I still take advantage of you in that game. I haven't played that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. yeah. uh, Carcassonne, my number nine. Oh, so good. Well, it, okay, elegant. Yes. You know, place Port. a tile, place a meeple, draw a tile. It even looks elegant. You're building these, you're building these, this bucolic You're creating a French, map. This bucolic French countryside with castles and walls and farms. It's gorgeous. It, and even, so that's simple. Like when you can just boil a turn down to, here's what you do on your turn. You're going to place a tile place a meeple you're gonna draw a tile that's your turn that's okay it. that's that's pretty. and then when you're like okay well you've got these meeples what is the meeple well that's really streamlined too it's like well if it's on a road it's a bandit if it's on the field it's a farmer if it's on it's in the city then i guess it's a warrior or something like castle that. It's yeah, a yeah yeah, yeah, it's, yeah but like it's just the one piece and so it serves that multiple like that's incredibly elegant in terms of of design so yeah is that a lower weight game yes absolutely is is there a lot of game in and in, in what's what's there ab, again, like absolutely incredibly efficient design uh, for for non gamers. Carcassonne is such a big hit, such a big hit for non for non gamers. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way at all. No, no, no. I think it's. I still think you played Carcassonne. You're a gamer. Yeah, I I've played it. It's a big tent, Tom. It, I, I'm just saying that uh, that I would bring like my where my mother lives. The old people there are doing um, jigsaw puzzles. If I taught them Carcassonne, I think they would play it every day because it's just a jigsaw puzzle. It's just you're 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 mm. making a mm-hmm. picture, and in addition to making a picture, you're playing a little game. That's with right. It. And he, and whether you're playing well or not is kind of like beside the point. Yeah, you're still doing the thing. Yeah, we were talking about we talked about this before that that there are some games where just the act of playing the game, if you took score out of it completely, right. the the act of playing the game is itself enjoyable. We talked about that about Agricola, right? At the end of the game, I have this beautiful little farm where I had nothing before and it's kind of cute and they got my 
my animals in this little yeah, pen and that, your, and that little pen. Yeah, you've got your dollhouse and, at the end. Why don't I do my number eight because it falls into that category too. My, my number eight is uh, Ticket to Ride. So like obviously a lot of what I'm calling gate, uh, what we might call gateway games sure. make the elegance list, right? Like sure. I, don't, I don't think that's a coincidence, but that's another example of that was a game I think we could play it with my niece when she was five or six. Yeah. Like was she putting up a competitive score? No. Was she able to draw her cards, collect sets and, and connect between cities so that she had a network? Yes. Yes. You know, was it easy to explain? Yes. Uh, is there, are the finer elements of strategy obvious at the beginning? No. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it, can it be played quite competitively? Yes. You know, so. This is really interesting. You and I have come up with a very different mm, yes, we have. elegant list. Like your, your first three elegants were Carcassonne, Catan and Ticket to Ride. These are classics. And, and mine are Pipeline Genoa. And my number eight is Hansa Titanica. <laughs> uh-huh. Hansa Titanica yeah. is a. I could teach that game in five minutes. It is such a simple game. It I is, don't believe I, you cannot teach that in five minutes. Regardless. Basically, it's an exaggeration. Well, okay. exaggeration. Maybe 15, but, but sure. 15 at most. Because, because everything. That the game does. The depths of that game are little, not obvious right at the beginning. We're not talking about depth. Yeah. We're talking. We're talking <laughs> yes. about rule set. Yep. We're talking about rule set. You can put two put two cubes out. You can take somebody's cube off, right? And 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 then that happens. You can score the the route that you have completed. That's basically it. That's basically it. And everything else about the game are the five little areas that you have on your player mat, right? There's this this area, and this is what this does, and this is what this does, that, that, and that's it. Yeah, that's the entire game, and yet the game space is so rich. There's so much going on there. It is absolutely elegant. That, that is still one of those games where, like, I almost feel like I need to teach when I return to it, though. I, I, I agree, it's elegant. At yeah. the same time, I'm thinking about like it was such a pioneer in that it was. It felt like it was, if it wasn't the first, it was one of the first of the, hey, you have your own personal tableau, and as you remove wooden pieces, you're revealing the kind of like the engine. Unlocking, yeah. Yeah, you're unlocking, and so I can see the thing I do. It also was pretty language independent, like there was no language in that one, right? Um, almost none, yeah. Yeah, but right, I'm also, yeah. rem- I'm, I, even now when I'm thinking about playing it, it's like, okay, like what's the bag again? Like you have these different actions on your yeah, player yeah. board, and it's like, what does the bag actually restrict? The it's bag like is the how, number- many, how many pieces you can you can recover. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. You have your, these are the available pieces, and these are the the reserves. Yeah. Right? That's Which this is. is why it's like rightly put at a higher level of complexity. Is it still elegant? Yes. Super. Super elegant. Yep. Yeah. What is your number seven, Trey? My number seven... All right, so this is a game I find that I like better than most people, but I I thought it was very elegant, and sure. again uh, was Coimbra. Yeah, like that. Like yeah, that is now you're now you're in my neck of the woods where it's yeah it's not, like, not it's that a, heavy, but 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 we're getting more into like this should not be your first yeah, your yeah. first your first game, but I felt like that game was very streamlined and uh, you. You kind of like fairly easy to teach, yeah. Harder to master the way you start to chain things together and, and do uh, connections. Here are the dice. What are you going to do with the with the, with the die? This yeah, I mean, again, I, I guess I'm back to, back to dice here. Like we're going to roll the dice and then we're going to you know make lemonade from the the lemons of of the die rolls or whatever. But you have that moment which I always enjoy of like you roll the dice. Here's the situation. Study it. Yeah. And then you make your plans. You're not going to be able to keep your plans, but you made your plans and you see opportunities and then you kind of pursue them. And Coimbra 
really really worked for me in that level. Again, a sequencing thing. Yeah. When do I have, like, oh, I really need that card, but I can probably wait. I can probably wait to get that card. You know, because it's not that good for other people. So right, I can right. wait. So I can wait. You know, like that that type of decision making I often enjoy. Like, oh, everybody's going to want that thing. Right. Right. So, so that's that's got to that be my first move, even though this other card's going to be more valuable to me. But I'm probably going to get that on my second or third move. Yeah. That type of thing. Yep. Uh, my number seven is the only designer that is on my list twice. Uh, I think that the older designers, old school guys, those are the ones that have a, a an affinity for uh, for elegant games. Um, I think uh, to, to right, Alan Moon. I think Alan Moon mm-hmm. is an elegant game designer. I think all of his designs are something just a very certainly something he strives for in his designs. Right? Yeah, very simple concept, very simple concept, and yet the gameplay that comes out of that can be very, very rich. Yep, uh, and amazing. Uh, and for me, the king of this is Reiner Knizia. I think Reiner Knizia is the 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 goat of the elegant game. And my number seven is Samurai. One of the, one of the absolute most elegant games that he's, that he's ever put together. Um, it is a game that is the map of Japan. It's gorgeous. If you get the old, the, the old design of the game, it is absolutely gorgeous. You have got a, everybody has an identical tile set that they turn face down. And uh, on your turn, you're going to draw and make sure that you always have, uh, I think five tiles uh, behind your screen and you get to choose which one to play. And there are rewards. On the city of Edo, which is now Tokyo, there is one of each kind of reward. And the rewards are the rice, uh, the rice box, which is the farmers, the hi-hat, which is the military, and the Buddha, which is the religious influence. And uh, in classic Reiner Knizia style, when an area is surrounded then you're going to count up the amount of influence for each type of reward mm-hmm. that is there. And whoever has the highest amount of influence of that type gets that reward. And at the end of the game, you're going to see who has the most hi-hats. Okay, you have the most hi-hats? Mm-hmm. Good, you are safe. Who has the most Buddhas? You? Okay, you're safe. Who has the most rice boxes? You, you're safe. Who got none of the most of any of them? <laughs> you are out of the game, sir. <laughs> You are out of the game. Okay. Now, everybody else, discard the thing that you have the most of. <laughs> Your score is what is, so is the rest. <laughs> You're learning a lot about Tom of what appeals to him. Again. Oh, it's so right good. Here. It's so good. It's like, it's like such a, I mean, he's a mathematician. He's got a PhD in math, and you can see it in, in the design. And yet the design, it's the design of an artist, man. This is a great thinking person's tiling game where you're just trying to figure out how do I get the most, who got, who got what am I in competition for, what am I in competition against, and, and how do I win it? Uh, if you've never played Samurai, you absolutely must. It, it, it is going to be played right alongside White Castle because they're both one hour. They're both one hour thinky genius games that have a very similar that, that have a fit the, that fit the theme exactly. Uh, a, a game that made my um, honorable mention was Tigers and Euphrates. Yep, uh, Reiner Kinsia. I'm going to jump to my number five though, and then come back to my number six later because my number five is Medici. Oh, okay. Also, Reiner Knizia. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of just, you're just collecting cubes. That's it. You know, but incredibly rich and quick. And again, like, plays maybe even faster than the White Castle. Yeah. But but very elegant and, and, and like, surprisingly deep when you play it with humans. 
Yes. You know, later on. So just in that theme of like, is Reiner Knizia kind of really like the poster child for, for elegance in design? Like, He's the goat. Yeah. He's the goat. Alan, I mean, Moon, Alan Moon's kind of do, doing that too, but Knizia has just made so many more games. Yeah. It's a crazy amount of games. Well, and, and I think I think Alan Moon's, you know, I think 10 days, the, his 10 day series, I think uh, his Ticket to Ride series, hugely, power, hugely popular, but they're also simpler games. Reiner designs games that are simple and yet they've, they're, they're deeper, I think. They're just, they're just a deeper play experience in general. So now jumping back to my number six, uh, Keyflower. Oh, k- kind of. I mean, yes, I, I agree. It is a, it a very elegant game, but it is on the heavy side of elegance because there is actually a lot going on in the sense that there is a, as you get tiles into your space, how you move things, how you move resources around and stuff like that, there's, there's, there's a couple layers to understanding how to play that you game. You think that's more complex than pipeline? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. Oh, okay. But okay. but I admit, like the first time you see Keyflower, it's visually confusing. Like there's a lot on the tiles, and yeah. some of the iconography feels like could have been better. Yeah, well, it, it's it's got a, it's got a, it's got a style that is at odds with the way it plays a little bit. Yeah, which is interesting. It looks like the it, it looks sh- like you're playing. I, the- I always thought it should have been a more successful. Like it's been successful, and there have been a lot of obviously different hugely know, var- variations. Actually. But like I still think it could have even been. Better with a better art style. Keyflower looks like you're playing the Village of the Happy Nice People, <laughs> and <laughs> and instead, yeah. what you're playing is a game called Razorblades in the in the confessional. That's you're just you're just cutting people up. That should be a positive for you, Tom. It is. I love okay. that. I love that game. I love the game. The only thing I don't like about that game is how good Paul used to be at it. But now he's we not figured so, him out. Yeah, we, we figured him out. We know so now it's now it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you just can't let a meeple engine it to the end of time. Uh, my number six. Uh, is a very heavy game that uh, nonetheless is super elegant. Diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Diplomacy, it, like the rules of diplomacy are a a book that is smaller than the book for White Castle. Right. It it's is, like four pages. It is super simple. I mean, it's, it's a single page folded. Basically, yeah, yeah exactly. All the, rules, all the rules fit in I there. So. Yeah. And yet the play of that game is absolutely diabolical. Just diabolical. On each, you start with three or four units on a map. Yep. You can order a unit to move from one space to an adjacent space. You can order a move to. You can order a unit to support a move to another space or another space. And if you're a naval unit, you can convoy a unit, transporting it across your space and into the next space. I just explained all the <laughs> pretty much all of the rules of of diplomacy. And yet, within that, oh, the number of friendships that have been destroyed by by that simple rule set is astonishing. It is a crazy. Elegant it's true. Game. I I had not thought of of that at all because it 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 can be just so toxic to your friend group that you that I uh, I think of like nice elegance games. I can recommend they're elegant. Look, I'm not going to recommend diplomacy. Let me be clear. We are at we're at up one ninety eight. Is that what we're doing now? Oh, on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're coming up to 200. I guarantee you, at 200, this group has never played diplomacy. We're playing diplomacy. We have to play it. It, it is. It is. You're going to mar- tie Ben down and, and force him to play the games we played in the 70s. I'm dying to see what Ben does with diplomacy because okay. because I think he's going to go. I think he's going to go nuts. I think he's going to go off the rails a little bit. I'll just point him your direction. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I, I'm really it, look. 
it is a market. We should be hanging our heads in shame that we've done 200 episodes of a of a podcast about board games, and and the majority of us have never played Diplomacy. Now, Trey, you and I, we we're both Los Angeles champions. <laughs> we must. Okay. I think there's very good reasons that we actually don't play diplomacy now. It can hurt friendships. It does take all day. The juice is not worth the squeeze. The juice is totally worth the squeeze. <laughs> the juice is not worth the squeeze. The juice is so worth the squeeze. It's, there's, it's very good reasons we don't Until play you've drank this juice, you have no idea how good it is. I think if you want people to check that box so that we, you can complete their board game education, I, I can understand that. 100%. I think we just all take Molly. All right, I've done my okay. five. And you've, have you done your five? I've done my first five, yes. All right, why don't you do your number four? Uh, well, oh, no, actually, uh, my number uh, down to my number five now. Okay, One, do your two, number five. Three, four, five. Uh, my number five is El Grande. Uh, yep. El, El Grande, super, super classic. It's on your list as well? It's on my honorable um, mention. Honorable mention. Yeah. I mean, the the classic worker placement, the, uh, sorry, not worker placement, the area control game. Uh, I have a number of cubes. I am going to pick an action out of five things I can do, and I'm going to put a certain number of cubes onto the board and try to get the maximum number of points by dominating various regions. That's pretty much all the game is, and yet the the, the way the game plays is astonishing. I've talked about it so many times. I don't need to go on uh, and on about it, but it, El Grande is one of the most elegant games I've ever played. Absolutely amazing. And. I always get confused with El Grande. Like we kind of played the, what the revised version with like a the card system. Oh, that's that's the one of the expansions. Yeah, one of the early expansions is a card system, which itself is incredibly elegant in its own in its own way. Where instead of people drawing from a common pool of actions, of which there are five, you are choosing a hand. You have like a hundred <laughs> cards. And that is choosing, much more complex. And you're choosing what 13 cards you're going to be able to use in this particular game. That's a cool game. I like that also game. also amazing. I'm not sure that's elegant. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's adding complexity to a very good base game. Which, by the way, is a great thing about, about elegant games is that you can add on and uh, with ease and make a game very, very deep very quickly because the base rule set is so easy to understand. All right, my number four is the most elegant splatter bus. Oh, you think you think roads? You think that's uh, yeah? Bus? It's much it's much easier to to. I'm not saying it's easier to be good at bus, but it's a much easier to teach. There's a lot going on in roads and boats. You got a lot of formulas. You got a whole sheet you hand to people to no, kind of understand. What my you're number doing. four is roads and boats. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So we okay, got a okay. splatter here. No, I think this is actually this okay, is pretty illustrative. This we're is gonna, illustrative. We're going to have a splatter off. Okay? In Roads and Boats, you start with a goose, a donkey, and two boards or four boards. That's it. Here is a menu, and this shows all of the things that you can build in the game. Mm-hmm. Everything. Okay? Here are your formulas. Would you like to build? Would you? Would you like to build a sawmill so you can get more wood and make more boards? Oh, no problem. Spend two of your boards and build that right there. Okay. Take the donkey and go one more space, and you can build a quarry so you can start getting rocks. So you can build uh, build rock things. Everything in the game is on the menu sheet. How many There's, items are there on the menu sheet? I don't know, like 20, 20, 30, 30 different items on the menu sheet. Maybe twenty. But it's all, it's, this is what this is, this is what this does, and this costs a rock and two boards. And then you build that. 
That's all it is. That's all it is. The game. Okay, is, that's okay, but that's that's not elegant. That is incredibly that is not elegant. elegant. It doesn't require any explanation. If you want to, you want to see what you could do. You could do any of these things. It is it is the most stripped down logistics game in history. It is, and that's before you even get into oh, and then someone can come and take your goose. They can take your donkey. They can use your wood shop, whatever you know. These guys are Dutch, okay? Proper, <laughs> property is theft. It's not your duck. It's not your donkey, okay? I guess it's your donkey, but it's not your building, okay? Property is theft. The only thing you own are the transportation devices that you build. I don't think that that game is Baroque, but I, I think that there's a lot of, like, in the, yeah, I think this is actually good for me to push back on. The menu, like you say, where you're like, here's 20 different things you can do. Here's some different formulas of things you can make. And then you start to see like, oh, well, if I do the lumber yard, then that's going to do a thing so I can later on build a dock. And, you know, like there's some kind of chaining of here's the different things. Like to me, that's not, that's not elegance. It is elegance. It's explore the space, man. Here you go. I just, I spent five makes, minutes. Makes sense I, of 20 different formulas. I've spent five minutes telling you all of the, 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 all of the rules of the game. Here's a list of things you can do. Go and make your, make your little paradise. Bus, on the other hand, yes. is um, a so, time-traveling. So streamlined that it's almost abstract. You know? Uh, yeah. Um, and in this game, we're, we're kind of like we're making bus routes. Uh, your high score it may very well be in the single digits. Four. Because what points in the game are just like passengers delivered in the end or something yes. like that. You know, it's um, like for the, 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 again, like if this is a numerator denominator to create a, a ratio, the amount of rule there is so minimal, but then incredibly deep, complicated, brutal decision mm. space. Yeah, but at no point are you presented with like a menu of, you know, I can build a uh, travel agency on in this block. No, but bus. but 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 in order to start play, you have to spend twice as much time explaining how the game works in bus than you do in roads and boats. I agree that playing bus once you've been explained the rules of the game, you kind of get it until emergent play okay. comes. So, and to you envision realize. roads and boats for people that, that don't know what you're talking about, you also to play roads and boats, you have a map that you then you have a laminate that you have to spread out and like well, weigh I down. Do. Uh, yeah, and, I do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the game the game comes with a very flimsy little little thing that lays. It's a down big over box. There. It's just it's just to draw the roads. Grab a marker and draw your road mm-hmm. that you just that you just built. Okay. Agree to, agree to disagree. And then place a boat down. That's all it is. You, okay, you, you will not admit that bus is more elegant than roads and boats. I, it, from my definition, no. It's, it's, actually, it's, it's actually not. But I do think it is a very elegant game. <laughs> I think they're both elegant. <laughs> okay, but you enough. said more elegant. Okay, so if you're going to get into a measuring contest, I got to say what I got to say. All right? That was I'm glad this number, is a podcast, Tom. That was our number fours. Okay, my number three. Yes. Taj Mahal. Reiner Knizia. Another right, okay, so yeah, back you, to the well. You have, you have two Reiner Knizias. Yeah, right, and Reiner Knizia, that's on the heavier side of Reiner, Reiner Designs, or the more... But still super manageable. 100%. I feel like I played that game a lot with you. You're really good at it. Um, like, I love it. I still love to play it every time. Yeah. It's like, I'm probably not going to win. Tom just sees through the seams of this game in a way that I don't. But I there's, all, a, there's a matrix to see. There is a matrix. There is a matrix to see. But it, it, but it's still like every bit of that game fits within a kind of like very digestible envelope. Yeah. 
where I'm never overwhelmed. Like I may be overwhelmed with like, oh, ooh, I didn't think about that. I should have done that. And now I'm not making that connection. Tom's going to win type, type of thing. But like in the actual gameplay, it's all very manageable and I'm enjoying the, the process. So sometimes like in this case, elegance is it's in a certain digestible package that has a lot of meat for the the teach and also like that game can play pretty quick like you can play that game in under 90 minutes easily it, yeah, yeah yeah about 90 minutes i think is, is is dead on is dead on right for the length in general and like we're always pushing taj mahal as like a game that doesn't quite get its due yeah no it, it, it's it's criminally underrepresented and it's an amazing amazing it's classic game. yeah it really is really is uh, my number three is friedrich heavy game yeah heavy game mm-hmm all of the rules of that game are on a playing card. Not two sides of a playing card. One side of a playing card has a little, there's not a single word written on it. It is four things, and it shows you pictographically what those four things are, uh-huh. and the entire game is there. That's it. That's everything about the game. The only thing I have to explain after that is the timing mechanism of the game, which is we'll be flipping over a card every turn, and eventually bad things can start to happen, and the, the war will start to, to constrict. But a war game that is that deep, that is played solely with essentially decks of playing cards, mm-hmm. is essentially the way that, that, that conflicts are resolved in that game. And all of the rules of it are on a single playing card. How do you get more elegant than that? I think, I think the rules are very elegant. I think when you look at the map, yeah. that's a deeply complex map with yeah. a lot of corners, with a lot of like angles. Yeah, and I think like people, I've, I've, I know enough about that game to know that like when it is played competitively, like there's a lot of map there. But competitive play is going to come down to there are some critical points. These choke points. There are some choke yeah. points that yeah. that play kind of centers on when when you actually when yeah. you actually do it. In, in particular, there are the regions that are the most highly contested are the ones on the edges of the rectangles. It's a weighty. It's a that's a weighty game. And and yet crazy like weight heavy weight does not preclude. Uh, elegance, and that's that's kind of my whole. That, that I think yep. that's I think that's my list is kind of these are games that are deep and kind of heavy, mm-hmm. and yet at the end of the day, really elegant. The design is so simple, and yet the the way the game plays out is incredibly complex. Yeah, I, I think of our friend Mike. Mike craves, I think, almost like um, like he is not afraid to play highly complex games. No, he's not. He like really he really craves them. I'm sometimes intimidated by the more complex games and so sometimes I think I would rather like master the masterable whereas I think yeah. like just as an example I think like Mike is fine like wading into the deeper waters and drowning. He talked to your stand yesterday. Mhm. He was talking about that. Yeah, he, he wants has it played yet? Wants to play, play it. Dine play it. Right. Yeah. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Wants to learn it, wants to play it. You know. I love it. That, but I'm just kind of like identifying, like maybe that's again an old manness thing of like I, I want some, maybe sometimes I want something a little more manageable that I can get under the skin of. Whereas, like I look at Friedrich and I'm like, oh man, that's going to be an investment. <laughs> well, it's good. it's going to take a little time, and it's a war game. You know, we don't play a lot of war games. No, we don't. Yeah, a war game is a is a very specific experience, and even though that war game is very abstracted in comparison to a lot of war games, and there's not a die to be seen anywhere. Um, it gives you a war game experience, and a war game experience sometimes isn't going to feel the best. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's brutal. We're to our top two. Top two. Here we go. What's your number two? Age of Steam. Age of Steam. Yeah, yeah. Is it on your list? No, no, it is not on my list because to me, it's not. Qu- 
quite elegant enough, but it is. It 100% is. Let's put this You wish you had it on your list. It's on my honorable mention. There's no question about it. It's it's on on your Adderall mention? Honorable mention. (laughs) (laughs) I like the first list. It'd be on that one, too. Uh, Age Age of Steam, very deep game, pretty simple rule set. A lot of the variation is in the maps, Mm. in the different scenarios you play. Uh, There's definitely a big learning curve on that game where your, your first couple games might be pretty rough because it is a brutal economic engine but the things it's actually asking you to do are pretty simple yeah. rule set that, that we've got chairs to get money spend that money to bid for turn order and and picking what lay track. special little benefit you're going to have this deliver round. goods lay track compete deliver goods. to deliver goods compete to deliver. Yeah. yeah i i would say that yeah for me the, when you get into the the weeds of things like goods delivery and the Okay, this is the this is the engineer, and the engineer does this. This is production, and production does this. Oh yeah, yeah, like the actual like little actions you get, the specialty actions. Like that is that's not the most elegant. It, it it takes time to to get through that and to understand what that is. So that's that's, that's fair. That's where that's where I hit the. the, the that's fair. Right. Those are the little like hey, you're gonna get a card, and they're, we're gonna play with like these seven cards or something like right. that. Well, we use cards, but other. other yeah, it, it, it's an act. It's an action space. Like, yeah, right. That's that is not the most elegant thing. It's still pretty essential. It's and amazing. It's very rich. It's amazing. It's like you're gonna do one. Maybe that's elegant. It's like you're gonna get one of these. Correct. As part of your bid. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's elegant. It is. It is very elegant. But it's like again, like that is not text independent. Like you need text there i think like i guess you could have icons for what the thing does but yeah. then you'd have to consult a rule book for like what does the engine mean oh you've increased your locomotive by one you know right right, right. All right. yeah moving on uh, your my, number two uh, my number two um uh, if people are playing the uh tom recommends games drinking game be ready to drink right now santiago <laughs> yeah is uh, a good one i mean it's great i'm, I'm writing it down I'm, yeah writing it down okay. it, it is crazy good example. simple it is a crazy simple game you've got a certain number of scudos you have a certain number of, of money you've got one little pipe that you can lay down when you want to and all you're trying to do is plant fields that are going to to prosper and <laughs> and and be rich you and, do this love like the driest themes literally here. oh this is it the, is so here you're gonna dig your ditch are you going to irrigate your fields? This is where Tom wants to play board games. And it's so mean. It's so mean. I mean, we've, I've, this game has, has, there have been so many screaming arguments between people about, you, you said you were going to do that. You got to do that. I'm going to go a different way. You son of a, right? It, it's, it, it really has such heightened emotion for a very simple, uh, subsistence farming. So this is like the third game. game on your list where like being able to manipulate and deceive a fellow player is 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 part of the game that you've chosen. Well, there's no rule complexity to that. That that is that is elegance in and of itself. I said it, what I said. That is that is the game. That is my number two. What is your number one? My number one is a top five game for me, Concordia. Yeah. Yeah. Concordia is on my on my also ran list. Because it is it is very very elegant for for the play experience that it gives you for sure. Yeah, and 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 I do kind of like put it a little bit in the white, like it's a longer game than White Castle by by a long shot. When you play it with people that know what they're doing, it can it can kind of clip along. Um, I think it's also one of those games where I probably don't want to play it a hundred times. Where again, like feel like there's probably a skill ce- a ceiling mm. on it. Where like ultimately, like the questions it's it's asking are pretty attainable. Yeah. Through, through multiple plays, which I think is the case with the with 
the White Castle, but still, what a what a great game. Um, as fish, like, what do you do on your turn? You play a card. You know, <laughs> you have a kind of card. You just choose one of the cards you play, and then you do the thing. And then a lot of those cards trigger other things for other people. But it's it has a fairly simple gameplay with very rich environment that kind of emerges from that. And I think it, it's 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 one of those kind of classics top twenty game for me, top five game for me. Yeah, uh, and my number one is the second Reiner Knizia game I'm going to mention, and it's Modern Art. Modern Art. Modern Art is one of those games where it all, it rarely makes it to the table, and yet every time it makes it to the table, everybody's experience is the same. Like, why don't we play this game more? This is crazy good. Yeah, and could not be simpler. You're being dealt out a hand of works of art. You're going to put those art up for auction. You're going to buy some. You're going to sell some. And each round, whatever sells the most. You're going to manipulate your fellow players. That's number four. It is. Yes. <laughs> You're going to negotiate. Yes. You're going to twist arms. There You're going to threaten. There are four types of uh, four types of auctions, and the card says what type of auction it's going to be. Right? It's, it's the open bidding, once a round, fixed price, or double auction, where you're going to auction, auction to. That's all the game is. That's all the game is. And yet it is such a wonderful experience, such a rich, rich design. So simple. So kind of like looking back at the list here, Knizia was like the easily the most appearing in the in yep. our kind of elegant discussion. I think we also talked about Alan Moon yep. as kind of a designer. I'm, I may want to circle back to uh, Matt Gertz with Concordia. Like his his other games are are pretty elegant too. Well, I mean, Imperial is uh, Imperial Navigador. Well, Imperial uses diplomacy, mm-hmm. the diplomacy map, map essentially, and essentially the diplomacy rule set for how the war is like Mm -hmm. it adds another layer on top of the super simple diplomacy rules to make a different game Mm -hmm. is essentially what he's done so yeah i think that fits absolutely and these are some of my favorite designers yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Like, if I, I think I definitely... A Rondel can be very elegant, and he does a lot of Rondel stuff. I love Uwe Ro- Rosenberg, but I think part of the things I enjoy about his games are that they do have that extra bit of... It, they're not elegant because, you know, here's, a st- you know, 400 different cards you're going to play with in this game sometimes. You yeah. know, so, like, they they do have these little detail-y things that you have to pay attention to that, that do not make them the most elegant. I have, I have my honorable... I have a Uwe Rosenberg honorable mention. Go for it. Bonanza. Oh, yeah. Sure. His first hit. The first hit he he ever had. You're going to be dealt a hand of bean cards. The rule is you cannot rearrange your hand. The order they're in is the order they're in. And you're going to be, you can plant a maximum of two bean fields until you buy a third. And you, they only pay out if you make an, if you right, add you can't enough. Change the order of your hand. Can't yeah. change the order of your hand. And the, uh, when it comes to your turn, the first card you have in your hand, you must play. If it does not match one of the two fields that you have in front of you, you got to rip up one of those fields. <laughs> yeah. And those fields pay off when you get a lot of cards on that field, not yeah. when you have one or two cards on that field. Crazy elegant. I do think you, it's interesting you see with Uwe Rosenberg is he clearly engages in two different design paths, yeah. which is that he's got his big box games, which are kind of his you know feature length. And then he's got, <laughs> then he's got patchwork. and Yeah, so and then so he's so got far, these yeah. other kind of smaller games. A lot of times sort of like mechanisms that have emerged when he's pursuing some bigger game he'll say okay well what's the cl-? like oh hey i developed this cool you know rondel for aura and labora well let me explore it on a simpler level on glass road glass which road, is actually yeah. kind of like in the middle more but you know he's he has some stuff that is definitely he's trying to be in a lighter elegant space a lot of times too and i think a lot of those games have done pretty well like patchwork 
Oh um, yeah, no, th- those are uh, Bonanza. I mean, we, there, there's a bunch. He puts out a lot of games that I end up like not playing. It's a playing. good business decision. Yeah, let's put it that way for yeah. sure. Elegant is more where the money's at. I think it can be. Yeah, it's not sure. where the BGG ratings are, but you know, it is where the sales are a lot of times. That's why it takes brave souls like you and me, okay, to shine a light. I think this is my favorite game. White Castle is my favorite game of uh, 2023 so far. But as we know, it is still October. Yes. So there's we still have plenty of of year left here. Like it tends to be pretty weighted towards the end of the year a lot of times. You're gonna have to play Nucleum before okay. you can really say that. So I have, well, I have played half a game. No, you, you have to play an actual full game of Nucleum and 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 see what it's about because I because it's, not elegant as far as I can see. But. Uh, no, it's not. It's not elegant. It's not exactly inelegant either. It's not. It's not a very complicated game. It doesn't have. Uh, too many moving parts to it. Uh, I'm, I'm a big, big fan. Okay, we can't. Uh, we will be looking at getting. This wasn't the hey, we argue about what's the best game of 2023 yet, though. Oh, okay, so we won't say that then. <laughs> we'll say that. Uh, I'm saying so far for me. Yeah, speaking for me. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm a more positive person, stuff like that. <laughs> so, so maybe that's why I have an invite to play Evacuation, and you don't. You don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm I'm the crusty old man folks you you know got it like a, like a little bit okay you, i think we need to finish the podcast now all right fine <laughs> uh I need to ladies and gentlemen we're almost at our 200th episode can't believe it uh it's coming up i think it'll be in in a couple episodes um we're coming up if to, you see us at bgg con please come up and say hi yes yes we, we, would, we, we love would, that we would love for you to say hi open invitation absolutely open in open invitation um yeah, uh, just, just because I, I don't uh, like things are about to get really busy here in November. So like, I'm not sure I'm going to be back on the podcast before we're back. I'm I'm gone for uh, the second week, like the fifth to the tenth. I'm away that whole week. Yeah. Then the next week we're away at BGG. That's what I'm and saying. And then the next week is Thanksgiving. Yep. So yep. Uh, we may not actually do. We may be light on the episodes in the next month, ladies and gentlemen. We'll we see. should let we'll you see. know there's a good chance that the 200th episode won't happen until December, possibly. What? So you may have a, a, a little wait. We will see. Okay. Uh, but hey, tell us what you think. Talk to us on Discord. Talk to us on our Facebook group. Um, and you've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com and Edamar Peleg for our incredible graphics. You can reach us at email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod, or as it now is called, X. Thanks for listening, and go play some games with friends. Or go make some friends with games? Yeah, that'd be good. For a change. <laughs>